The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here's your top five at five. Futures are pointing to a bounce back on Wall Street as investors brace for the busiest day of the earnings season. More than 150 S&P 500 companies set to report. Speaking of earnings, call it a meta mess as the Facebook parent company is set to lose some 70 billion dollars in market value at the open after another downbeat quarter. Breaking the morning, breaking this morning, uh, embattled investment bank Credit Suisse unveiling a massive turnaround plan as it hopes to get investors back on board. Plus, Elon Musk looks to make his deal for Twitter official, showing up at the company's quarters yesterday, bathroom sink in hand. And later, more trouble for Kanye West after he walks in unannounced at the corporate offices of one major shoe retailer. We've got all of that and more. It is Thursday, October 27th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange here on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Seema Modi in for Brian Sullivan. Let's get straight to U.S. stock futures to look at what is set up for today. A rough day for technology yesterday that saw the Nasdaq snap a three-session winning streak, ending the day down more than 2% on those weak results from Alphabet and Microsoft this morning. Uh, Nasdaq down just about 12 points in pre-market trade. Dow Jones Industrial, though, indicated higher by 140 points. Take a look what's happening in the bond market, where yields are higher. The 10-year note yielding 4.06% at this hour. Let's take a look at energy, where oil is trading, and we're higher for Brent crude, just marginally at $95.72. Cryptocurrencies, a lot of action there with Bitcoin, yet above 20,000, 20,705, uh, but still down fractionally, as is Ether. Let's go around the world. A mixed session in Asia overnight that saw Hong Kong and South Korea bounce back in a very big way. Investors bidding up the region's biggest tech companies once again after that sector's huge sell off earlier in the week. Alibaba, Tencent, JD.com, and more up sharply in overnight trade. JD.com up nearly 6%. In Europe, if we pivot there, the trading day just getting underway as investors there brace for the ECB's latest policy decision due out at 8.15 a.m. Eastern Time. A mostly lower session so far, FTSE 100 slightly higher. Much more on Europe in just a moment. But first to our top story, and that is Facebook parent Meta. Set to continue its 2022 freefall shares are sinking nearly 20% in extended trade, set to lose about $70 billion in value at the open. This after issuing a weaker-than-expected Q4 forecast and falling short on its third-quarter earnings. Arjun Karapal in London. Arjun, investors appearing to have little patience with what Mark Zuckerberg said yesterday on the call. 
Absolutely, Seema. And there's three things that really stood out for me in these earnings. The first really was we're seeing the impact of that weak ad market across Alphabet and Snap and now impacting Meta. You saw the average revenue for user for Facebook drop in the quarter. The company also said their price per ad dropped 18 percent as well, showing that there's really no pricing power as uh, advertisers are cutting budgets and perhaps holding back some of the spend. The second negative here for investors was the lack of cost control that Meta showed. You saw 28 percent increase in headcount. You saw costs and expenses jumping 19% in the quarter at a time when other companies like Microsoft and Alphabet are talking about trimming some of the fat and being a lot more disciplined in their costs as well. And thirdly, I think what you said there, investors are really losing patience, particularly for this vision of the metaverse and whatever that might be at the moment. Reality Labs, the, rev- the uh, division that housings the VR headsets and the metaverse uh, uh, future, uh, revenues there fell almost 50% in the quarter. The losses widened as well. That Reality Labs has lost $9.4 billion already this year. And this was the line that really got investors riled up. Meta saying that Reality Labs losses are expected to grow significantly in 2023 at a time, as I mentioned, where other companies are being a lot more disciplined with the with the cost there. So clearly a lot of uh, investors not being patient here with this vision from Zuckerberg about what the metaverse looks like, Seema. And now the question is whether Apple will follow this downbeat uh, quarterly performance from Meta, Google, Microsoft, or whether it can perhaps prevail in this type of environment. Yeah, it's an extremely tough environment. Well, look, here's what uh, Apple said last quarter. They said they're expecting uh, some of that revenue to pick up. Uh, they reported just 2% rise uh, last time in revenue. Analysts are looking for about a 6% year-on-year rise in revenue of about $88.9 billion, uh, in the quarter for Apple as well. iPhone's, of course, going to be in focus. What is the reception there? In particular, what models are users buying? Is it the more expensive Pro and Pro Max, or is it the cheaper uh, iPhone 14 and 14 plus. That's going to be key in terms of that revenue mix and that average revenue uh, per user as well that Apple uh, looks at as well. Demand at the moment appears to be quite robust according to a number of analysts. However, there was a report today out of analyst firm Canalis looking at the China smartphone market and they are saying that iPhone 14 demand looks lackluster in that critical market for Apple. So uh, investors going to be hoping to hear a bit more color on what demand is like for the iPhone 14 going into that key holiday season as well. So services in focus because this is really part of Apple's future growth going forward. How does Apple continue to get revenue from the more than billion iPhone users out there as well? We saw a slowdown in the second quarter of the year in services. Is that set to continue? That's a big question here, I think, for the market as well. And finally, a commentary on supply chain. How is the supply chain looking? Chip shortages, disruptions in China. And ultimately, what does that mean for supply of iPhones and Apple's other products into the hands of consumers? Stock trading at $148 and change. Arjun, thank you. Arjun Karpal. To another top story this morning, embattled investment bank Credit Suisse unveiling its highly anticipated turnaround plan it hopes will bring clients and investors back on board. Among the headlines, a more than $4 billion cash raise, bringing in a new and possibly controversial investor, which will take a nearly 10% stake in the bank and a massive restructuring of its investment banking business. Our own Jeff Cutmore joins us now from London, where he spoke with the bank's newly minted CEO earlier today. Jeff, good morning. What are the highlights? 
Yeah, good morning to you, Seema. Three key points then. I think you've uh, mentioned a couple of them. We're going to see this significant cash raising exercise, 4 billion Swiss francs. That's pretty much $4 billion these days. That will be raised both in a rights issue with existing shareholders and then, as you point out, there is this qualified investor, the Saudi National Bank, that they hope will pony up 1.5 billion Swiss francs, but it has to go to an EGM, a meeting of shareholders for approval on November the 23rd. So we'll see how that plays. Elsewhere, significant cost reductions. They want to shave 15% off the cost base. Initially, that will mean cuts of about 2.5 billion Swiss francs and a major restructuring of the investment bank. The Apollo Group will pick up the uh, securitization Uh, securitized products business and ultimately they reprise the first Boston name. Credit Suisse First Boston or CS First Boston will become a new standalone business and they're hoping to attract third-party funding for that, M&A advisory and and your usual investment banking products will be inside that unit. So so let's just have a, a listen in to what Ulrich Kerner the CEO of the business had to say about this restructuring of the operation in the U.S. Credit Suisse First Boston, as we will put it to the market, i.e. the capital market and advisory business, is in itself a very attractive, relatively capital light business. I think, you know, by, by putting that together in a separate entity, opening that up, you know, for third-party capital as well, Positioning it like with this very strong brand and titles uh, of Credit Suisse First Boston is a very, very attractive thing, not only for our clients, but also in particular for our people and talent going forward. So Michael Klein, um, who is on the board at the moment, an American, will lead that new CS First Boston business. As far as the fundraising, as you pointed out, there may be some questions as to whether the Saudi National Bank is the right partner going forward for Credit Suisse. I put that question to the CEO a couple of times. Had the board considered maybe some of the reputational risk and shareholder pushback? Let's have a listen to what he had to say. Arguably, I would think at least one of the strongest growth regions over the next 10 years. We are in the region with our businesses like more than 60 years. And, uh, you know, we, feel, we felt very much supported by, you know, this new shelter coming in and, you know, believing and supporting our transformation going forward. So the share price reacting very negatively through much of the European session this morning. Obviously, there is a dilutive effect from the rights anyway. But at the moment, I think the bond investors having the better of it, um, it would appear that they like the fact there's additional capital coming onto the balance sheet. But the shareholders, I think they're still combing through the detail on this new restructuring program, Seema. Clearly, the stock is down about 13 percent in response to this restructuring news. How does the momentum look when it comes to the business of Credit Suisse and how does it long term lift investor confidence, Jeff? Well, that's another problem here, isn't it? They reported a big loss again this morning for the third quarter. That's another 
quarterly miss as far as this bank is concerned and 4 billion Swiss francs uh, loss uh, net attributable to shareholders. Um, it, it's all heading in the wrong direction. The ROTE was a negative 38%, 13 billion Swiss francs of net asset outflow. So all of these figures indicating that the bank has been losing client business as a result perhaps of the reputational damage done over recent years from these various uh, lawsuits that they've had to face and the problematic investments they've made. Um, you know, Ulrich Kuhner has a reputation for being a restructuring expert. I think this one's going to test him. Back to you. Stock at $4 and a change. Uh, Jeff Cutmore, thank you. Live in London. When we come back, much more on the meta meltdown as that stock gets absolutely crushed ahead of the open. How Mark Zuckerberg hopes to right the ship ahead. Plus, investors bracing for a flood of earnings today. Matt Maley is here with the names you should be watching ahead of the tape. And later, Elon Musk's message to Twitter staffers. Let this sink in. Details on his visit to the company's headquarters. Very busy hour ahead on Worldwide Exchange. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back and straight to the market. Stocks coming off a mixed session on Wednesday with the Nasdaq shedding more than 2%. Futures are indicating a lower open with the Nasdaq set to open down three-tenths of 1%. However, the Dow Jones Industrial indicating a higher positive open at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, up about three-tenths of 1%. Earnings, once again, will be the main catalyst for Wall Street. Today marks the busiest day of both the week and overall earnings season, with 30% of the S&P 500 and 40% of the Dow reporting. That includes names like Apple, Amazon, Caterpillar, Intel, and McDonald's. For more, let's bring in Matt Maley, Managing Director and Chief Market Strategist at Miller Tabak. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Seema. What do you think today's earnings could tell us about the broader economy and, and whether inflation has peaked? Well, I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Caterpillar, of course, because they are, I mean, on the one hand, you know, we have the 
well, they call it the inflation uh, bill, but it was really just the Build Back Better bill with a, with a different name on it. And so we are getting a certain amount of uh, fiscal spending, and that could help Caterpillar Tractor. But, you know, everybody's worried about what's going to happen with the uh, with a recession next year. And uh, if, if, their, uh, if their earnings are disappointing, that's just going to raise those concerns. Uh, but the big ones, of course, are going to be Amazon and Apple tonight. I mean, you talked about the percentages of uh, the S&P and Dow Jones. Those two stocks are uh, are 20 percent uh, of the Nasdaq 100. So if you get uh, if they get both become really good numbers, uh, that could help the Nasdaq, which, of course, has been been hit lately, especially this week. Uh, and of course, if they're both negative, uh, that could have uh, some real negative implications. So it's, uh, t- tonight, tonight's numbers are going to be very, very important. And the response from Wall Street analysts to the, the earnings we've received so far from Alphabet and Microsoft is they need to rein in on costs and cut their headcount. Uh, that seems to be one thing that CEOs of these major companies are going to do. With that in mind, I'm just curious if there's a broader takeaway here for you know, the, the health of the labor, labor market as we try to assess whether it's going to cool or not. Yeah, and, and, and you, know, you mentioned uh, that you know, we've heard a lot of this already for, I mean, several months. I mean, it started over the summer uh, with you know, quite a few tech companies talking about, uh, you know, uh, Hiring freezes. Well, we know what the, that is. That's you know the prelude to uh, actual layoffs. And uh, you know a lot of people. There's a lot of jobs out there right now. Uh, but like, is at any time you always want to be the first one laid off because there's jobs available. And uh, as we go through the process, suddenly that becomes uh, uh, less so. So uh, you know, as we go into next year, again, you know, as we all know that the, the, there's a lag between when the Fed uh, tightens po- policy and the and the impact it has on on the economy. Uh, we're just starting now to see that uh, come to fruition. As we move into next year, again, I think it raises the, uh, the, the chances that we do get a recession, which I think are very, very high. European Central Bank policy meeting uh, announcement coming out at 8.15 a.m. Eastern. What should U.S. investors look for there? Well, I want to see if we get, you know, any kind of a, you know, everybody's talking about another 75 basis point, but do they, do they speak in a more... Uh, uh, you know, a dovish or at least less hawkish way. We saw what happened with the Bank of Canada yesterday, which helped buoy the market and keep uh, uh, the market from falling even more than, than it did after those negative earnings out of uh, Microsoft and Google. Uh, so uh, they just want to see if we do get a little bit more of a dovish tone. I mean, that's really what, what a lot of people are hoping for. Uh, and I think what, what a lot of this rally uh, has, has been based on since late, late last week. And my concern is that, you know, a pause uh, or even uh, it's not even a pause yet. It's, it, all it is is a throttling back. We're still going to have rate hikes. Uh, bear markets tend to keep going until the, the Fed stops tightening. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm just worried that pause is not a pivot and, and we're not even getting a pause yet. So I'm a little bit worried that uh, uh, we still have uh, uh, more headwinds to, to work through. OK, Matt Maley, thank you. Great. To thank see you. Thank you. Still on deck, how a hidden gem inside Meta's mess of a report is actually pushing one sector higher in the pre-market. We're back with that story after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Time now for your big money movers. 
buried in Meta's mess of a report. The company says it plans to boost capital spending to as much as $39 billion next year as it invests in new infrastructure to support its metaverse aspirations. Those comments boosting data center tech providers like AMD, NVIDIA, Marvell Tech and Arista Networks, which counts Meta as one of its biggest customers. Arista up 7.6%. Shares of Ford, though, are under pressure. The company reporting a net loss of $827 million in the third quarter due to supply chain problems and costs related to the disbanding of its self-driving vehicle unit, Argo AI. The company did, however, beat estimates for the quarter and guided to the low end of its range. And shares of sleep number cratering down 26 percent, issuing weak guidance as it deals with slowing demand and supply chain issues. The company did top estimates, however, for the top and bottom line. The Biden administration set to go on the offensive to try and reframe the Democrats' economic message to voters with less than two weeks until the midterm elections. The president and some of his top officials canvassing the country today to regain momentum for the party in a bid to hold on to power in Congress. Elon Mui joins us now on the White House's strategy and whether it will work a lot. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, Seema. You're right. President Biden will attempt to sharpen Democrats' economic message today as the White House goes into full campaign mode with the midterms just right around the corner. The goal is to contrast his party's plan to build the economy from the bottom up and the middle out with what he's calling Republicans' mega-maga trickle-down economics. Okay, so what does that all mean? Senior White House officials said that Biden will highlight Democrats' work to bring down costs on prescription drugs, health care, gas prices, and student loan debt. He'll deliver his speech in Syracuse, where Micron has announced a 20-year, $100 billion investment in chips that's projected to create 50,000 jobs. And that theme of lower prices and domestic investment in manufacturing will be echoed by his top lieutenants across the country today. Treasury Secretary Yellen will be in Ohio, Commerce Secretary Raimondo in Maryland, HHS Secretary Becerra in Texas. But Biden is also expected to attack Republicans as pushing to extend tax cuts for the wealthy and threatening to cut Social Security and Medicare. Recent polls show the economy is now front and center for voters, and that has tilted the playing field toward Republicans. The latest analysis from 538 shows GOP support at 45.3 percent compared to 44.9 percent for Democrats, less than half a percentage point between them. So there's not much time left for Democrats to get their message through to voters, but they're betting, Seema, that even the slightest move in the needle could make a difference. The question is, is it too little too late for the Democrats to be changing their messaging specifically on the economy, Elon? Yes, Seema, that's a really great point because it's not just the fact that the midterms are less than two weeks away, but also that early voting has already begun in a lot of places. If you just look at the swing state of Georgia, for example, a million more people have voted at this point than voted back in the 2018 midterm election. So what we know is that voters are incredibly engaged this cycle. They are listening to what the candidates and what lawmakers have to say. They're listening to perhaps what the Biden administration has to say. But we'll see if it'll be enough to change anyone's mind at this point. Seems like a tight race either way. Alon, thank you. We'll be watching. As we head to break, a quick market flash on shares of Mobileye. The self-driving Intel spinoff making its public market debut on the Nasdaq yesterday, closing up more than 37% on the day. The company priced shares at $21 with a valuation of about $17 billion. 
The stock set to open at just under $29 a share. We're back after this. Stocks looking to shake off a tough trading session as investors gear up for the busiest day of the earnings season. Futures pointing to a higher open. Shares of Meta, though, in meltdown mode. The company set to shed some $70 billion in market value on the back of an earnings miss. As the company says, the pain may be far from over. And Elon Musk looking to wrap up his deal for Twitter, taking a key step in the process and paying a visit to the social platform's headquarters ahead of the deadline. It is Thursday, October 27th. We're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Seema Modi and for Brian Sullivan. Thank you for joining us. Let's get right to how your trading day is shaping up. Futures are mixed right now in pre-market trade with the Nasdaq suggesting a lower open by 34 points based on the mover seeing in meta right now. Dow Jones indicated higher, up 120 points in pre-market. S&P 500 up six. Let's take a look at the bond market where yields are moving higher. The 10-year yield at 4.06%. It's been trading in that range for the past couple of days now. A check on where oil and things are moving in the energy complex. Turning negative, Brent crude now at $95.60. WTI crude at 87 Let's go worldwide now. A busy morning for investors in Europe with Credit Suisse unveiling its major strategic overhaul. And a key monetary policy decision on deck. Excuse me. Juliana Tattlebaum has more on all of that from our London newsroom. Juliana, good morning. Seema, good morning. Well, there certainly is a lot to play for here in Europe. Let's kick off with a look at overall markets, which are trading lower. The only bright spot from a regional perspective, the FTSE 100, which is up about two-tenths of a percent. You're seeing some outperformance in the oil and gas names in Europe today. Otherwise, though, it is a downbeat start to trade. Investors are making their way through a slew of earnings. So let's get right to it, and let me run you through the big ones to watch. Credit Suisse, as you said, has unveiled a radical strategic overhaul, as well a 4 billion Swiss franc capital increase following sharp losses in the third quarter. The Swiss lender is launching a rights issue at a discount of, listen to this, approximately 32% and is bringing in a new shareholder, Saudi National Bank, which has committed up to 1.5 billion Swiss francs. This after CS posted a net loss of just over 4 billion Swiss francs in Q3. Now, speaking to CNBC earlier today, CEO, CEO Ulrich Kirner detailed how the bank will conduct its overhaul. Number one, you know, a radical restructuring of the investment bank. Number two, a significant reduction of costs. And number three, and further strengthening of our capital base. And I think with that, we have all the necessary ingredients, so to say, together to go where we want to go. Credit Suisse shares down 13% or there thereabouts on the back of this overhaul. A big question marks around whether this is enough to turn the bank around and whether they'll be able to execute on the plans announced today. Now in the energy space, Shell has posted a third quarter profit of almost $9.5 billion and announced it is hiking its dividend by 15%. The oil and gas giant also declared a $4 billion share buyback program, but the latest figures do mark a $2 billion decrease from last quarter's record profits due to weaker refining and gas trading along with a lower value of Europe's gas inventories. Meanwhile, Unilever has raised its 
sales guidance saying it now expects growth above 8% this year after reporting underlying third quarter sales growth of 10.6%. Finally, Seema, let me take you to the European Central Bank and bond markets. The ECB is expected to announce its second straight 75 basis point hike today and third consecutive hike this cycle. That would take its key interest rate to 1.5%, but investors will also be watching out for other tightening measures. So be sure to tune in for the ECB meeting later today. We, abs- we absolutely will and be keeping a close eye on the euro dollar as well. Juliana, thank you. Let's get a check on some of your morning's top stories stateside. Silvana Hanau here with those. Silvana, good morning. Good morning to you, Seema. Well, Elon Musk's bid to buy Twitter appears to be in the home stretch. According to the Wall Street Journal, banks have started sending Musk the $13 billion they're providing to back his takeover. The journal says late Tuesday, the Tesla CEO sent a borrowing notice to the firms initiating that funds transfer process. The paper adds that Twitter employees have been told they would hear directly from Musk tomorrow, the court-imposed deadline date to close the deal. Now, further signs the deal is close to done. Musk visited Twitter San Francisco office yesterday, tweeting out a video of himself walking in, carrying a sink writing, entering Twitter HQ. Let that sink in. And he also changed his Twitter bio description to Chief Twit and added his location as Twitter HQ. Merck announcing a shuffle in the C-suite. The drug maker revealing CEO and President Rob Davis will succeed Chairman Ken Frazier starting December 1st. Frazier joined Merck nearly 30 years ago and became the first black CEO of a major drug company back in 2011. And Skechers says it was forced to escort Kanye West from its Los Angeles office. The footwear maker says it made the move after the rapper and designer, who now goes by Ye, showed up unannounced. In a statement, Skechers saying it is not considering and has no intention of working with West, adding it condemns his recent divisive remarks and does not tolerate anti-Semitism or any other form of hate speech. West has faced continued fallout over his recent anti-Semitic remarks, with several companies condemning them or halting business with him, Seema. Story continues. Silvana, thank you. You got it. To this morning's top story, Facebook parent meta platform set to continue its 2022 meltdown. Take a look at this. Shares are sinking in the pre-market trade, and the company is set to shed some $70 billion in value at the open. This after issuing a weaker-than-expected Q4 forecast and falling short of third-quarter earnings. The tech giant citing a broad slowdown in online ad spending, challenges from Apple's privacy update, and increased competition from TikTok as key headwinds. Here's CEO and founder Mark Zuckerberg on the call last night trying to reassure investors. There are now more than 140 billion reels plays across Facebook and Instagram uh, each day. That's a 50% increase from six months ago. Reels is incremental to time spent on our apps. Uh, The trends look good here. And we believe that we're gaining time spent share on competitors like TikTok. Let's talk more about this with Cyrus Memawala, head of investment research at Global Data. Cyrus, good morning to you. Good morning, Seema. Hi. Meta did say uh, it'd be making some significant changes to operate more efficiently. What do you think those entail? I, I think that the big message that the market is sending Meta is that, you know, now is not the time <clears throat> uh, to invest in, in moonshot ideas, uh, which are going to generate revenues in 10 or 20 years time. Things like Meta, things like the, the virtual reality stuff that, that Reality Labs uh, is doing. 
Uh, and now is the time to focus on declining revenues and trying to rectify that. And that issue has kind of uh, been brought to the fore by Sheryl Sandberg leaving the company uh, earlier uh, this year. So that's what the market is, is telling Meta, not just in today's decline, but in the decline over the last six months. Although Meta did say it expects operating losses from its uh, Reality Labs unit, which includes, of course, the Metaverse. Investors don't seem to be taking to that too, too lightly. Yeah, I think the, the economic outlook is bleak. And what we saw from Google's results, you know, the number one digital advertiser in the world uh, and Facebook number two, is that even tech, big tech, is not immune to a downturn when it comes to digital advertising. Digital advertising is now mature. But Facebook, um, you know, digital advertising is its core business and it faces a number of risks. Uh, the first is, you know, Apple's privacy settings, which are in the price. But Apple's, uh, or, you know, reforming its app store charging structure, you know, as we speak, that could hit Facebook uh, more. And of course, TikTok is just accelerating in terms of innovation, better algorithms, uh, now launching a new gaming channel. Uh, and there's regulatory issues for for, uh, uh, for Meta in, in many of the jurisdictions it operates in. You know, reading through the report, Meta also said it plans to boost capital spending on infrastructure, about $39 billion to support its metaverse aspirations. And that statement uh, helped a number of chip players outperform names like NVIDIA, Marvell, Arista Networks, which counts Meta as one of its biggest customers. Uh, curious your thoughts here. Yeah, great for uh, Meta's supply chain, especially uh, chip makers. Not so good for, for Meta's uh, own uh, future, uh, future outlook because, you know, 39 billion of uh, capital expenditure, that's uh, against operating expenses for, for the year of about 100 billion. That's a pretty high figure for a software company. Cyrus, let's turn to another big name, and that is Apple. It's highly anticipated fourth quarter results out after the close today. Wall Street looking for signs of hope amid a potential slowdown in sales ahead of the key holiday season. And it follows price increases for Apple Music and Apple TV subscriptions earlier this week as the company faces increasing pressures from inflation, weak China demand, of course, a stronger dollar. The stock currently trading at $148. Uh, it's down about 5% in the past three months. Cyrus, I want to get your thoughts on Apple. What can we expect today? Yeah, well, I mean, as we've seen from big tech earnings so far, the economic outlook is even bleaker than what economists told us uh, uh, last week. Rising costs are hurting businesses and consumers, and buyers of Apple hardware are likely to be more cautious. We may see some upside in their services uh, 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 business, but everything we've, we've heard about results so far says the economic outlook uh, is going to be challenging. But even worse uh, for Apple is the geopolitical outlook. I think of of the five uh, biggest, uh, you know, of big tech, Apple faces the highest risk of a China backlash. So China, about 19% of Apple's uh, revenues, and, and two things are going on. The first is pr President Biden uh, looks set to um, escalate export controls uh, aimed against China's uh, tech sector. Um, uh, and at the same time, President Xi in China has reiterated China's policy of, uh, of self-reliance, but also of unification of Taiwan, which means on the supply side, TSMC, Apple's biggest chip supplier and a critical supplier for iPhones and Macs, uh, uh, you know, that's being caught in the crosswire. So geopolitically, mm -hmm. Apple's in a tricky place, especially as it readjusts its supply chain away from China. Do you think, Cyrus, actually to that last point you just made, that Apple will try to indirectly address, uh, indirectly address this concern by showing the amount of investment it's making in other countries across Latin America and India as well? Yeah, I think Apple has uh, made it clear that the management have made it clear they're going to 
diversify away from China. But of course, the Chinese supply chain is incredibly uh, efficient. Uh, and therefore, there are, there are bound to be logistic, significant logistical challenges along the way and potentially a rise in costs. You know, uh, you know, prima facie, you move from China to India, your costs should fall. But actually, um, moving an entire supply chain as complex as Apple's uh, could result initially in, in a rise uh, in costs. So that is another risk uh, in the medium term. All right. We'll be waiting. Uh, Greater China sales expected to grow more than 3% to 15.1 billion. That's what Wall Street is anticipating when Apple releases its results after the close. Cyrus, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Coming up, making an economic U-turn. What a potential rebound in the U.S. GDP number may mean for talk of a potential recession. And the Fed's rate hike path forward. We're back after this. Welcome back. The U.S. economy is expected to show significant growth in today's third quarter GDP report, despite almost cons- consensus concerns of an economic d- downturn in early 2023. Economists looking for growth to surge 2.3 percent versus last quarter's 0.6 percent drop. Today's report, one of the final major data points ahead of next month's Federal Reserve policy decision. Joining me now is Thomas Phillipson, former, former acting chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. He's currently the Daniel Levin Chair in Public Policy at the University of Chicago. Always great to see you, Thomas. I mean, do you think this GDP report will show us that the U.S. economy is not in a recession? I don't think so. I mean, a lot of people are pretty pessimistic about 2023. We're going to come into what's close to a zero growth uh, three quarters because of the drag in the first two quarters. So I think people are looking behind this quarter and saying, you know, what does it look like ahead? I think for Main Street, as opposed to Wall Street, this has been a horrible cost of living year, obviously, with inflation. So they're not so concerned with people like me calling this a recession or not, because <clears throat> their real incomes have uh, quite dramatically uh, gone down this last year. If GDP increases, how could that impact the Fed's decision next week? I don't think the Fed is becoming more optimistic from this GDP, uh, the third quarter GDP. I mean, We have a lot of troubles going on. Housing, which is obviously a huge sector, is already in a pretty uh, deep recession. We have, you know, a demand-induced cut in that sector. It's demand-induced because both quantity and price is falling, which is always an indication of demand versus other things. Quantity has gone down. Home sales for the last eight months. Prices have gone down for the last three months. Mortgages or loans are down about 40% year to year. So that's looking very, very rough. And that's affecting a lot of other industries, obviously, furniture, appliances, construction, etc. So I think people are very pessimistic. We just had a bunch of CEOs come out and say they all expect a really bad year. We also had a bunch of economists, Bloomberg and others, saying we're almost certain to have a recession in 2023. And any of those CEOs saying that inflation has peaked? That really is a concern, isn't it, Tomas? Yeah, I know it's a very big concern because we always we have a little bit compared to you guys uh, or in Europe uh, where they're coming out with the rate today. We have a lot more core inflation 
than European inflation, which is more energy-based, essentially. Energy-based is not five fought so well with rates, but core inflation presumably is. So I think it's a big concern. When you zoom out and look at monthly jobs report, industrial production, consumer confidence, Tomas, what's your, what's your read on the U.S. economy? Well, I think people are pretty bleak, to be honest. I think most people are expecting a rough year ahead. I think that the central bank is, you know, I tend to be in the camp that think that central banks can fine-tune the economy. So I think they have an impossible job of trying to uh, trying to do this or trying to cure it because they are operating with long lags. Typically, we think of lags of six to nine months, essentially. So whatever rate hikes they're doing today will affect come in in the winter or early spring in 2023. And most people think we're going to be in a pretty bad recession in that period. So it's not clear whether they're adding on or, or easing things at this point. Thoughts on how this Q3 U.S. GDP report could impact midterms, which are less than two weeks away, and clearly Democrats trying to ensure they, they don't lose the House and Senate? Well, people are buried. The two biggest issues in our midterm elections is inflation and crime. Uh, Democrats are trying to make it a little bit more about abortion, uh, the abortion decision from the Supreme Court. Uh, I think it, this is not going to be a huge impact unless you have an enormously negative GDP, essentially, then it's going to have some of an impact. But if it comes in as expected as, at 2.3 percent, as you mentioned, I don't think it's going to have an enormous impact. OK, Tomas, nice to have you on today. Tomas Philipson. Thank you. On deck, investors gearing up for the busiest day of the earnings season. CIC's Wealth Malcolm Etheridge lays out why he says markets may have reached the point of peak pessimism. Worldwide Exchange is back in a moment. Welcome back. Time now for your executive recap. Three stories you may have missed this morning. Credit Suisse unveiling its highly anticipated turnaround plan today, announcing a more than $4 billion cash raise, bringing in the Saudi National Bank as one of its biggest investors with a nearly 10% stake and laying out a massive restructuring of its investment banking business. Investors are responding, the stock down 11%. Uh, a similar story for shares of Meta, set to shed some $70 billion in value at the open, right now trading at $103, down 20%. This is Facebook's parent company issuing a weaker-than-expected fourth-quarter forecast, falling short on the third-quarter earnings, citing a broad slowdown in online ad spending, challenges from Apple's privacy update, and that ongoing increased competition from TikTok. And a second union representing railroad workers has shot down a labor agreement. That deal, coordinated between unions, freight rail companies, and the Biden administration, is seen as critical to avoiding a nationwide rail strike. That strike could cost the U.S. economy $2 billion per day if it takes hold next month. Another busy session shaping up for investors with a flood of earnings. About 30 percent of the S&P 500 and 40 percent of the Dow will report today. Names of note, Amazon, Apple, Intel, CNBC parent Comcast, McDonald's, Merck and Caterpillar on the economic front. We will get initial jobless claims, durable goods and an initial read on third quarter U.S. GDP. That's all on tap. And then overseas, we have the latest ECB policy decision due out at 8.15 a.m. Eastern. Also, President Biden is in Syracuse, New York today, talking chips and plans from Micron to bring semiconductor manufacturing to upstate New York. With all of that in mind, let's get a check 
on U.S. futures. NASDAQ keeping an eye on pre-market action down 38 points. Dow Jones Industrial again indicated higher, up 109 points. S&P 500 up four in pre-market. Joining me now is CIC Wealth Executive Vice President Malcolm Etheridge. Malcolm, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Tima. Uh, given what we heard from Meta, the earnings miss, are you reevaluating your exposure to technology? Yes. So I didn't really consider Meta uh, to be a, a bellwether in the tech sector uh, so much anymore. The whole Fang name had kind of gone by the wayside as they started to uh, shed quite a bit of market share uh, with this commitment to the uh, metaverse. But I have been very surprised by the market's willingness to shrug off bad news overall, right? After we got uh, earnings reports from the banks and they started to report misses on uh, profits, I was certain that, you know, the news from Jamie Dimon about a hurricane coming and everything else was going to send the markets uh, in the other direction. And then especially once Microsoft and Google showed that there was weakness in the tech sector, to your point, I thought it would send ripples across uh, other companies reporting after them. But we've seen the opposite, which makes me wonder uh, if it's possible that we've reached peak pessimism, like you said earlier, uh, at this point in the markets, just because of its willingness to shrug off uh, all bad news uh, so far. And two key reports we'll get today, Apple and Caterpillar, both will give us a good read on, on what's happening in China, Malcolm. Yeah, I, I think that it will be important, especially for Apple, to find out how much of an impact uh, China is having. But frankly, I'm looking more at Apple and Amazon. Apple, I own personally. Amazon, I don't. Um, but I'm looking at those two because I think they're going to tell us a good bit about the consumer, for one. And then also, again, to the point about the tech sector, you guys reported earlier this week that Amazon was going to be freezing hiring in its uh, AWS, Amazon Web Services business unit. And the public cloud has been the thing carrying the water for all of Amazon. It's what allows their uh, e-commerce uh, section of the business to to survive and, and keep on going. And so if they're telling us the dominant player in the public cloud space is telling us that uh, the market for uh, that business is drying up or at least showing some weakness, I think that's going to be very telling for the whole mega cap tech uh, trend and trade altogether. You couple that with Apple telling us whether demand for the iPhone, which is now more of a durable good or a utility than it is a luxury item. I think those two things together are going to tell us a ton more about the tech sector altogether. And I, I don't think that the market is going to be able to continue to shrug this off and we end the week the same way we started it. But time will tell. Yeah. And at the same time, we'll be getting U.S. GDP. Malcolm, if that report suggests the U.S. economy is not in a recession, how do you expect the market to respond? I think that'll be very surprising. Uh, I think that'll be encouraging once again to uh, the markets as far as uh, good news that tells it that we have reach that bottom already that we've all been looking for. I think that uh, finding out that we're not in a recession here, however, we had the recession we were looking for earlier this year, frankly, you know, technically, I think that will be a signal to the markets that although the doom and gloom is still out there and the attitude is pessimistic, it's probably at that darkest before the storm uh, kind of spot where we're turning the corner and we just can't feel it yet because the economy tends to lag a few months behind what the stock market does. Just quickly, the Dow is up 10 percent in the month of October. Have you been buying into this mini rally? Not yet. I assumed, honestly, that this was going to be the time to buy when Q3 earnings came out and started to show weakness. I thought that the markets for sure uh, coming into this week would be in the opposite direction. And I'm really uh, surprised at the markets 
durability, I guess, is the word to use, or uh, just willingness to say, I hear you, but I still think it's time to buy. That has been very surprising for me as an investor, uh, and we haven't been encouraging clients to go uh, and make any any trades just yet, simply because we did not expect to see the markets respond this way. Yeah, we'll see if it can last. Uh, Malcolm, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure to see you today. And that does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.